Maureen, would you pray for our time? Father, I ask for forgiveness for all the things that may any of us have done wrong this week, including myself, Father. I thank you for the provision that you provided this week for us, Father. Mm. I pray for those that are sick, Father. I pray for those that have issues, and I ask that you have your hand upon each and every one of them, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.
song one more time. Let the words just be sung over us. Yeah. 
Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence, God. Father, we thank you for your goodness, for your kindness, for your mercies that are new every morning. We thank you for your truth from your word. Jesus, you said that we are to abide in you, that apart from you we can do nothing. I pray, God, that we would just have a hunger and a greater thirst for righteousness, for your presence, Father, in a world that just seems so out of control. Father, we thank you that you are upon the throne. We thank you, Father, that we do not have to get caught up with the chaos and the confusion, but that we can firmly be rooted in Christ, that we can fix our eyes upon the author and the finisher of our faith. We thank you that you are risen indeed. We thank you, Father, that you've called us to be overcomers, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. We thank you for your word, for we know it to be the living word. It's alive and active. We thank you that when your word goes forth, it doesn't return void. So I thank you, God, that we can gather this morning and open up your word and we can be encouraged. I pray, God, that we would be attentive to the leading of your Holy Spirit that we would continue to grow and mature as children of God, that we would impact our communities, our state, our nation, and even the world, Father, with the good news, with the gospel. We thank you, God, that you've called each one of us, and I pray, God, that we have truly responded. God, that we wouldn't be a people who hold a form of religion and deny your power, but that we would be your people, empowered by your Holy Spirit, to live afresh and anew, a life, a life that you've come to give us. For you have declared that you've come to give us life and life in abundance, that it's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Oh, we thank you, God, that you have delivered us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. <clears throat> May we continue to, uh, to walk in the light. That we would be your ambassadors. That we would go forth. That we would put our hands to the plow and not look back. That we would be fit for your kingdom. For your glory and for your honor, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Do not be misled. The justice of God cannot be mocked. What you harvest, you will, I'm sorry, what you plant, you will harvest. And in times that we're living in, the chaos that we see on the news or even in our own lives, we can rest to assure that God is for us and not against us. And if we apply his truth to our lives as we allow the Holy Spirit to lead us, if we are Christians, 
We can walk in the peace of God. We can have the peace that surpasses all understanding. No matter what's going on around us, the peace, the wholeness, nothing missing, nothing broken. And again, I'm challenging us this year to really grow, to really mature, that we wouldn't be a broken people. In and of ourselves, we are broken. But in Christ, if we've come to Christ and we truly believe that He is the Son of God and that He rose from the dead, that He's defeated sin and death, He is victorious, He is ruling, He is reigning, He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, in a place of honor, in a place of authority, and He's poured out His Holy Spirit, He's given them, He's given Himself to us, via the Holy Spirit within us as his children, then we can walk with the assurance that God is with us and God is for us. It doesn't matter what's going on around us or even what's going on inside us. But that we can walk in peace. Are you sensing his peace? Do you know his peace? Are you experiencing his peace day in and day out? Because you ought to be. The devil is a liar. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He comes to establish strongholds in our hearts and in our minds. And remember what I've encouraged you before, what a stronghold is. It's a pattern of thought that you're thinking that is now your truth that is contrary to God's word. The Word of God says, don't give the enemy a foothold. Because if you give him a foothold into your mind, he's going to develop a stronghold. But the good news is, the Bible says, that the Lord has given us the weapons of our warfare to demolish strongholds. And I love that. That's good news, you all. To demolish strongholds, to demolish those patterns of thought that are contrary to God's truth so that you can walk in freedom. No matter what the world is saying to you, to you no matter what your past is screaming at you, no matter what your current stability of your heart and your mind may be, you can rest assured that God is for you and not against you. And you can get up each day knowing that this temporalness of life no longer has to define you because the eternal God has called you out as his own. And that for eternity, all eternity, if you are in Christ, you're going to inherit his kingdom. His kingdom. That's why he says, he promises that he goes away to prepare a place for us. And if he's going away and he's in the preparation season, he is to return as our hope is, as scripture says, to gather those that belong to him and to take them to his place, his kingdom. And for eternity, we will be with God. Oh, that's the good news of the Christian faith. And so what you're planting daily, you're going to harvest. And that's why I want to encourage you all from this scripture that we recognize that the justice of God, we can't mock it. God is right. God is just. God is holy. There's no error found in God. Yet though created man wants to hold their fist up and blame God for everything. No, no. God, there's no error in God. He is perfect. 
He is right. He is holy. His justice is what he has established, and he is, uh, he is right in the way that he wants to distribute it. He's a holy God. He's a holy God. Holy, holy, holy is what's being sung in the throne room of God. He's holy. He is just. He is right. And so we cannot deceive ourselves into thinking that we can mock it. No, there's a way in which we are called to live. The Bible gives us the good news that he's given us everything we need to live a godly life. There's nothing that we're lacking. God is not holding anything back from us. He, his desire is to see us grow and to mature, not to retreat, not to go back. That's why Jesus says, if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for my kingdom. We've got to stop being the people that look back. We've got to be a people that's looking forward. Every step that we're taking, every thought that we're processing, every word that's coming forth from our mouth, everything that we're putting our hands to, everywhere, every place that our feet leads us, it should be in the movement of going forward and not entangled to what's behind us. We're to be a people that persevere. Because it's perseverance that builds character. And character brings forth hope. And that hope is in Jesus. And so we don't live lives of, 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 of no hope. No, we live lives full of hope. Because each day we're moving forward. If you're sitting here today and you have no hope, it's because you're looking back or you're stuck. There's no movement of going forward. You need hope today? Then pick up your feet and move forward. Take your hands and begin to move forward. Process thoughts that move you forward. Open your eyes and begin to see a vision that leads you forward. Forward into Christ. Forward into doing what God has called us to do. To be his people among the wicked. There are going to be people who are not going to love Jesus. There are going to be people who are going to rebel until they take their last breath. There's always enemies of the cross. It's been that way from the beginning. That's why the enemy slipped into the garden and deceived Eve, which led Adam to be deceived. And they both bit into that fruit that they ought not to have. And their eyes were open. And that's why God said to the serpent, there's going to come one who's going to crush your head. Jesus was established. Remember, Jesus was from the beginning, even before the earth was formed, he was, (laughs) he is. But his purpose of the cross and I've always encouraged you in this, it's not a second thought. God knew what was going to take place in that garden. And remember what I've been encouraging you as we're walking through the Bible and what you're going to see and hopefully begin to truly understand and believe is that God, from the beginning, His purpose was to have a people that He will call His own, and in return, they will call Him their God, that they would live for him, that they would honor him. So it's shocking when we see what's happening, though it ought not to be shocking because the Bible is very clear on what the days are going to look like as we're leading up to his return. 
there's going to be such a great falling away. The love of many, the Bible says, is growing to grow cold. The level of violence and perversion and all of it is just going to rise up. The occult, everything is going to rise up to a level that like we've never, be, have we been, we've never seen before. The Bible says that it's going to be worse than the days of Noah. The church is still upon the earth. And we're to be the church. We're to be the light. We're to be those that are going forth daily, announcing the good news. Have you announced the good news to others this week? Did you wake up with the good news at the center of your heart and of your thoughts? You can't move forward if you're not thinking upon that which is good. That's why the Bible says, take every thought captive. Bring those thoughts into the obedience of his lordship. But if you don't know him, that's hard to do. You're not going to move forward. That's why, again, you have to understand that the Christian life is just not about coming and just sitting in church. No, the Christian life, you are empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a newness of life, to live a new life that advances you forward. And you can go and you can have the assurance of who your God is and who you are in Him. And you can war against the very things that come to tear down your identity, to try to strip you of truth. Oh, but no, you don't have to be stripped. You build yourself up. You stand in the assurance of who God is and you take every thought captive that you know does not line up with His Word and you bring them into the obedience of his lordship. And you dress for battle daily. You put on the helmet of salvation. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. You put on the belt of truth. You put on the sandals of peace. You pick up your shield of faith. And you take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you begin to move in what you know to be true. No longer listening to lies. You begin to sow seeds that are right. And you'll harvest that which is right. You'll be able to stand. You'll be able to, to be a people that God has, can look down and see that these are my people. And then others will begin to see us live as if he's our God. It's funny. You don't see Buddhists doing things that Buddhists don't, shouldn't do. You don't see Muslims doing things that Muslims shouldn't be doing. If all these other religions out there can remain focused on what they believe and it transforms them to be the people they are, then how is it that Christianity has become a religion that anyone and everyone is in, and yet they don't honor the God in whom is over Christianity? You have to recognize. The enemy is not out to destroy Buddhism. The enemy is not out to destroy Islam. The enemy is not out to destroy the occult. But the enemy is dead set against Christianity. Because he knows it's the way, it's the truth, and it's the life. So being a Christian, no, 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 isn't a weak life. No, it's a life that's empowered by the Holy Spirit to live. It's a bold life. It's a new life. 
I mean, for goodness sake, when you read the Bible and we'll just take Paul because there's so many we can look at, but you can just look at Paul and you can look at who he was before Christ. And then when, after he came to Christ, the zeal and the, and, the, and, and the strength that he had, not because of himself, but because of Christ, that when, the, when he went into a city and he was preaching the good news, they beat him to the point of death. They dragged him out of the city and left him to die. And what did Paul do? He didn't whine. He didn't cry. He didn't go, oh, poor me. Look how horrible my life is. He didn't question God. No, he got back up and he went right back into that city to preach the good news. And the Bible doesn't say that he was healed. God could have healed him, and he could have got up and moved back and walked back into the city. But no, the Bible doesn't say that. So rather God healed him or not, the point is Paul got up. <laughs> and that's just say he wasn't healed. Let's say his body was, he was beaten to a pulp, left to die with all the strength that he had could find to get up with all the faith to believe in who his God was, he got up and he went back to declare the good news of God. This is the Christian life. This is who we are in Christ. Ultimately, Christ is our example. He was led to the cross. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was spat upon. And yet he said not a word. (laughs) He endured hardship to gain victory. And so many times we don't want to endure hardship. We want out of it. (laughs) But it's through hardship that we gain victory. So that's why the Bible says we ought not to look at trials as, as, as negative things. No, trials come to produce something within us. And the key is, is are the trials in your life producing something in you? Because they should be. They should be. The trials are not there for you to get angry at God, to pull away from God. They're not there to drive you into a point of utter despair and confusion. No, they're there to equip you to live. They're there to equip you to do what is right, to do what is good, (laughs) to think thoughts that, that are pure and lovely, that are good. We begin to transition from living a temporal life, from a life that is just consumed with the here and now, to to live a life that is consumed with the eternity, the eternal things, that we won't settle for this, but that would keep our head up looking to what is to come. And that's why we need fellowship. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit and fellowship with each other. The church's purpose to, 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 to equip, to build, to encourage, to edify each other. That's why it's so important. The Bible says, do not forsake gathering as some have done, but to gather and to come together collectively to honor and to worship God. Galatians 6, 7. You will harvest what you plant. So what are you planting daily, you all? What are you planting daily? Just remember, rather good or bad, you're going to reap what you, what you sow. 
What you give yourself to, you will become. The book of Proverbs says, as a man thinks, so he goes. Careful how you're thinking. Careful to what doors you're opening. Careful to the depression. Be careful of the temptations. Be careful of the things that are coming in to rob you of your peace. No, no, no. Stand and stand there for them. Like in the book of Ephesians says, after you've done all you know to do, stand. Stand in the assurance of your God. As we've been reading through the book of Psalms, we're encouraged by the psalmist who, who, who endured many seasons of their lives, and yet they kept looking up. Look up today, you all. Let that be your position this year to get you moving forward. Go to Numbers chapter 21. Speaking of moving forward, the Israelites are moving forward. God has called them out of Egypt. They're no longer enslaved, and yet they're listening to the lies of the enemy. They're listening to the lies of those around them that do nothing but murmur and complain and rebel against leadership. They're listening to the wrong voice. Because they keep what? Looking back. And they keep putting on what God has promised, the land in which he says he's taking them. Now they're putting the attributes of the promise back on their past. Remember they even said that back here it was overflowing with milk and honey. No, it wasn't. That's your promise. So we got to make sure we're not a confused people. We can't be a people who say, you know, we have one foot in Christianity and the other foot out in the world. No, no, no. That's confusion. The Bible tells us in James that we ought not to be those type of people. You can't pray and then live a life that doesn't back up what you just prayed. Because if you're praying, then you ought to believing by faith that what you have asked, God will give. And in that giving... We don't pray in a way that we're self-seeking. No, we're praying in a way in accordance to agreement with God's will. And so we can trust him in his timing. We don't use God as a genie. He's not a genie. He's not a good luck charm. No, he's God. And we can trust the fact that he is for us and he's not against us. These people knew God. These people walked with God. They seen God. They've seen his judgment. They've seen his true to his word, to his promises. And yet they kept looking back. Oh, we ought to have a lesson that we can learn today. And as we've been studying through the Bible, that's not our position. Our position is to advance forward. Even when God had Moses send in the spies into the promised land, remember, 10 of them came back with a negative report. Two of them came back with the right report. But the people only heard the negative. Careful what you're listening to. Careful who you're listening to. Careful to the report that which, in which you are believing. And you say, well, how do I know I'm believing? By your actions. By your actions. That's why Jesus tells us, oh, you'll know who belongs to him. Look at the fruit in their life. And that's why I always challenge you all. You want to know how close you are to God? Listen to the words that come out of your mouth. Watch the way you act. That defines you on a regular basis. 
It ought not to be the pattern of your life. Remember, the Christian life is not perfection. You will sin, but when you do, remember (laughs) who God is. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to your heart so that when you fall, you get right back up. And that's why the Word of God tells us, throw off the sin that so easily entangles you. Don't sit down with it. Don't come into an agreement with it. No, get up and throw it off and keep moving forward. Forward. Take yet another step forward. These people kept looking backwards. And remember, God says this whole generation has to die off. The older people have to die off. They did nothing but murmur and complain and fault find, and now they're going to die in the wilderness. It's the younger generation that's going to inherit the promised land. They're moving forward. So we pick up in Numbers chapter 21 today, and we're going to read through chapter 22, verse 20. All right, here we go. The Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that the Israelites were approaching on the road through Arimathea. So he attacked the Israelites and took some of them as prisoners. Then the people of Israel made this vow to the Lord. If you will hand these people over to us, we will completely destroy all their towns. The Lord heard the Israelites' request and gave them victory over the Canaanites. The Israelites completely destroyed them and their towns, and the place has been called Herma ever since. Now look at this. They're advancing forward. One thing you're going to find that as we continue to study the Israelites, as they are advancing forward, as they're about to enter into the promised land, life doesn't get easy. (laughs) In fact, they have a lot of obstacles ahead of them. So that's what I'm saying to y'all. We've got to be careful of how we are presenting the Christian life to people. Following God is not an easy road. In fact, Jesus himself already tells us it's a narrow road. <laughs> the gates to hell, it's wide. There's a lot of people heading that way. But the road <laughs> to following Christ is narrow. <laughs> and so we must understand this. That's why Jesus says, if they hated me, they hate you, they hated me. If they've done this to me, expect this to happen to you. Like, don't be surprised by how they respond. Don't be, don't be surprised as to what is to come. Because all of this has to come to pass. So that the Father's will would be done. And again, look at Jesus' life in the time of his birth. Look at the, the opposition towards even his birth. In his ministry leading up to his death. But all of it pointed to the victory that is found in the resurrection. These people were moving forward, and the enemy came up against them. In fact, took some of them prisoner. And the people of Israel, we see them, and we see this, a pattern. They turn to God. 
They make these vows towards him. And they live in seasons of obedience. It's when they choose then to go their way <laughs> that now they've opened themselves up to his, dis- to his discipline. They've opened themselves up to receive what they've sown to. But here we see that they're sowing to what is right. They're calling upon the Lord. They're asking of him. They've made a vow with him. And the Lord heard their request. Verse 4, then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea, to go around the land of Edmund. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Did y'all just hear that? If you're reading it, did you just see that? Now, we just read that they had this victory. We just read that they, had a, they made a vow with God that they, they, they would obey God, that they would, they would destroy all that city. They, God just handed them an incredible victory. And now they're moving forward. But now they've grown impatient. <laughs> and now they're complaining against God and against Moses. Oh, we got to be careful, you all. If you're going to move forward, move forward with the right heart attitude, the right mindset, trusting and obeying, (laughs) believing in whom he is. Don't grow impatient. Well, when's he going to show up? When's going to be my break? When am I going to get mine? (laughs) We got to be careful. We got to guard our hearts. Remember those women in India that I told you about that grew up, they they live in the dump? They're never going to get out of the dump. It's the class system over there. They're never going to get out of the dump. But you know what they do in the dump? They make the best of it. And they promote Christ. They preach the gospel. People in the dump are getting saved. They're happy people. They don't allow their circumstances to define them. Every day they get up and they move forward. Every day they get up, they put their hand to the pile and they move forward. And you say, well, come on, get out of the dump. Maybe God doesn't want them out of the dump. Maybe that's right where they belong because there's tens of thousands and thousands and thousands of people that live in the dump. And they get up every day and they sweep up in front of them. And they live for Christ. Come on, you all. They don't get up every day and go, when are we going to get out of the dump? Why is it taking so long? Why? Bless us, bless us. And yet, no, because they are blessed. They are blessed. The problem is, is you don't see yourself as Christ is, you're never going to truly understand And so what do I mean by that? Christ is victorious. He's already accomplished everything that he set out to do. Everything's done. Live. Start living in that mentality. Get up every day and renew your mind. (laughs) That's what the Bible says. How does he transform us? By changing the way we think. That's what the Bible says. That's not some psychologist mumbo jumbo. No, that's what the word of God says. How are you going to be transformed from the pattern of depression, from the pattern of lust, from the pattern of of just complaining and murmuring by changing the way you think? Then your attitude will change. (laughs) These people, 
just had an incredible victory, as I just said, and now they've grown impatient. Now we've had a, now we have an issue with you, God. <laughs> now we have an issue with you, Moses. <laughs> Listen to what they say. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. And we hate, oh my goodness, this horrible manna. Remember what manna is. It's the bread from heaven that God provided them to eat. Listen, they're not without food. They're not without water. They're just without what they want. (laughs) They've got food every day. God has provided them water. He has not neglected his people. And yet, we hate what you're giving us. We despise it. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people. And many were bitten and died. Then, the people came to Moses and cried out. We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. There's a, if you want a, a, uh, something to highlight, a circle, to kind of go back to this week, make it that verse there. Even in their rebellion, even in their sin, when they, dis, when they were disciplined, they knew. I've done wrong. I've done wrong. God was right in his judgment against them. What you sow to, you will reap. What you plant, you will harvest. And yet they knew. And they did what was right. They repented. It's a beautiful picture. Like, oh, we've done wrong. We've done wrong. We, we've sinned against God and we've sinned against you. Pray, Moses, pray for us. And we don't read here that Moses stiff-armed the people, that Moses crossed his arms and says, no, you all deserve to die. <laughs> no, no. We read Moses prayed. Are you praying for others? Are you encouraging others? Are you trusting in God? For others. Then the Lord told him, Make a replica of the poison snake and attach it to a pole. Listen to this, you all. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. And you say, what's the significance of that? Jesus says, just as that snake was lifted up, I am going to be lifted up. And those who are sick, those who have been bitten, can be healed. You see, we're all born as sinners. We're all born into sin. We all have the same condition. We're sick, and we need a healer. We need a Savior. 
So look upon Jesus and be healed, you all. Be healed. The Israelites traveled next to Oba and camped there. Then they went on to Ira Irbian and the wilderness on the eastern border of Moab. From there they traveled to the valley of Zerah Brook and set up camp. Then they moved out and camped on the far side of Aaron of the Aaron River, in the wilderness adjacent to the territory of the Amorites. The Aaron is the boundary line between the Moabites and the Amorites. For this reason, the book of the wars of the Lord speaks of the town of Weba and the area of Shufa and the ravens of the Aaron River and the ravens that extended as far as the settlement of Ar on the border of Moab. From there the Israelites traveled to Beer, which is the well where the Lord said to Moses, Assemble the people and I will give them water. There the Israelites sang this song. Spring up, O well, yes, sing its praises. Sing of this well which pitches, which princes dug. Which, which great leaders hollowed out with their scepters and staffs. Then the Israelites left the wilderness and proceeded through Manathah, Nathaliel, and Barmoth. After that, they went to the valley of Moab, where Pishgah Peak overlooks the wasteland. And what are we seeing here? Their movement is forward. <laughs> They're moving. They're heading towards the promised land. <clears throat> The Israelites sent, verse 21, the Israelites sent ambassadors to King Shihon of the Amorites with this message. Let us travel through your land. We will be careful not to go through your fields and vineyards. We won't even drink water from your wells. We will stay on the king's road until we have passed through your territory. But King Shihon refused to let them cross his territory. Instead, he mobilized his entire army and attacked Israel in the wilderness, engaging them in battle at Jahaz. But the Israelites slaughtered them with their swords and occupied their land from Arnon River to the Jakbok River. They went only as far as the Amorite border because the boundaries of the Amorites were, was fortified. So Israel captured all the towns of the Amorites and settled in them, including the city of Heshbon and its surrounding villages. Heshbon had been the capital of King Shihon of the Amorites. He had defeated a former Moabite king and seized all his land as far as the Arnon River. Therefore, the ancient poets wrote this about him. Come to Heshbon and let it be rebuilt. Let the city of Shihon be restored. A fire flamed forth from Heshbon, a blaze from the city of Shihon. It burned the city of Ar and Moab. It destroyed the rulers of Arnon Heights. What sorrow awaits you, you, O people of Moab? You are finished, O worshippers of Shemosh. Shemosh has left his sons and refugees, his daughters as captives of Shihon, the Amorite king. We have utterly destroyed them from Heshbon to Daibon. We have completely wiped them out as far away as Nopath to Mirda. So the people of Israel occupied the territory of the Amorites. After Moses sent men to explore the Jazer area, they captured all the towns in the region and drove out the Amorites who lived there. Then they turned and marched up the road to Bashan, but King Og of Bashan and all his people attacked them at Edery. 
The Lord said to Moses, Do not be afraid of him, for I have handed him over to you, along with all of his people on his land. Do the same to him as you did to King Shihon of the Amorites, who ruled in Heshbon. And Israel killed King Og, his sons, and all his subjects. Not a single survivor remained. Then Israel occupied their land. Israel is growing, you all. The nation that God has set apart for himself to bear witness to the nations around them. God has brought them forth from Egypt into a new way of life. And that signifies the Christian life. God takes us from our Egypt, that old man, that old woman, that place of sin, and transfers us through his son into the newness of life. We have a promise each day to look forward to. What God has begun in us, God is faithful to complete. What God has begun, and then he, we're going to see that he is faithful, even to this day, even until his return, to be faithful to Israel. God is not man that he should lie, you all. And now they're taking over it. All these other nations are beginning to take notice. Chapter 22. Then the people of Israel traveled up the plains of Moab and camped east of the Jordan River, across from Jericho. Balak, son of Zippor, the Moabite king, had seen everything the Israelites did to the Amorites. And when the people of Moab saw how many Israelites there were, they were terrified. The king of Moab said to the elders of Midian, the mo- the, this mob will devour everything in sight, like an ox devours grass in the field. So Balak, king of Moab, sent a message to Balaam, son of Beor, who was living in his native land of Pethor, near the, Eph- the Euphrates River. His message said, Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt. They cover the face of the earth and are threatening me. Please come and curse these people for me because they are too powerful for me. Then perhaps I will be able to conquer them and drive them from the land. I know that blessings fall on any people you bless and curses fall on people you curse. Balak's messengers, who were elders of Moab and Midian, set out with money to pay Balaam to to place a curse upon Israel. They went to Balaam and delivered Balak's message to him. Stay here overnight, Balaam said. In the morning, I will tell you whether the Lord directs me to say. I'm sorry. In the morning, I will tell you whatever the Lord directs me to say. So the officials from Moab stayed there with Balaam. That night, God came to Balaam and asked him, Who are these men visiting you? And Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent me this message. Look, a vast horde of people has arrived from Egypt, and they covered the face of the earth. Come and curse these people for me. Then perhaps I will be able to stand stand up to them and drive them from the land. But God told Balaam, do not go with them. You are not to curse these people, for they have been blessed. The next morning Balaam got up and took and told Balak's officials, Go home. The Lord will not let me go with you. So the Moab officials returned to King Balak and reported, Balaam refused to come with us. 
Then Balak tried again. This time he sent a large number of even more distinguished officials than those he had sent the first time. They went to Balaam and delivered this message to him. This is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Please don't let anything stop you from coming to help me. I will pay you very well and do whatever you tell me. Just come and curse these people for me. But Balaam responded to Balak's messengers, Even if Balak were to give me his palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. But stay here one more night, and I will see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. That night, God came to Balaam and told him, Since these men have come for you, get up and go with them. But do only what I tell you to do. Wow. I don't know if you get it, Mm -hmm. but everything that was just read there is this incredible picture of spiritual warfare. This king knew in of the physical, we can't stand against these people. So let's deal with it spiritually. Let's curse them. And there's a man who seems to have an anointing upon him that what he speaks takes place. If he blesses, people are blessed. If he curses them, the people are cursed. Go get him. Listen, Ephesians is very, opens up an understanding. If you read the book of Ephesians, you have this understanding as the the church in Ephesus was explained. Your war, your battle is not with flesh and blood. It is with the principalities and rulers in the air of the darkness. But remember, the battle is not yours. It belongs to the Lord. And that's why when the book of Ephesians tells us, after you've done all you know to do, then just stand. Dress for battle. Prepare yourself. Keep moving forward. But your hope is not in your strength. Your hope is in the Lord. There is a spiritual realm in which we cannot see, but we cannot remain ignorant to. Remember what I said earlier. The Bible tells us if you give the enemy a foothold, he's going to develop a stronghold. That pattern of thinking that goes against God. Remember I've always told you, you see people start off strong in their Christian faith. And then all of a sudden, you see them right back over here, acting just as ugly and vile as they were before Christ. (laughs) And you go, what on earth? And I say, don't, be, don't, don't let that surprise you because where else are people going to go but back? <laughs> and that's what the enemy knows. That's what he provokes within us. Stop moving forward. Just come back. And we've got not to look. We can't keep continuing to be deceived and thinking that going back, we're going to find anything new. <laughs> There's nothing new behind you. <laughs> Everything new is before you. Like I said before, and I've said it many times lately, the, the governments, people, neighborhoods, schools, businesses, they, they, they should want Christians to be there. <laughs> because they're, they're honorable people. They work hard. They're not lazy. They're polite. They're kind. They serve. They don't murmur. They don't complain. They don't fault fine. 
They're fruitful in what they do. They set out and the goals, they have goals and they accomplish them because they're working as unto the Lord, not as unto man. And if you have a group of people who are honorable people, who are good people, who uphold good, righteous, moral values that protects the family structure, that protects children, that protects women, (laughs) they live clean lives, why would the governments be trying to stamp them out? Why throughout the earth is the the level of persecution against Christians at the highest it's ever been? And it will only continue to get worse. Why even now in our own nation are Christians looked at people as they're the bad people? They're the ones causing all the problem. They're the ones that hate. They're the ones that are causing all this division. Oh, listen, you all, if that doesn't open up your eyes to the spiritual realm, you don't think that the enemy knows what he's doing? He's out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He knows his time is short. He knows, and his legion of demons know that there's a time coming when they're going to receive what God has already announced. That's why when Jesus shows up on the scenes, the demons shriek, is it time? They know. The Bible says that even the demons know the word of God and they tremble at it. (coughs) Are you trembling? The demons shouldn't have more respect for the word of God than Christians. There's a realm in which you cannot see, but that is very present. And that's why as you understand the Christian life, as you read through the Bible, you've got three enemies against you that every day you're facing. Your flesh, that old nature, that in the book of Galatians tells you that the flesh and the spirit, they war against each other. And I always tell you, but there's victory. Yet though it's announced that there's a war, it's already announced that it's won. So what you feed breeds. If you feed your spirit, if you're in the word of God, if you're communing with God, if you're walking with God, the Bible says if you walk habitually in the spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. There's victory. There's good news in Christianity. You can rise up every day and you can move forward. The flesh doesn't have to hold you down unless you choose to believe What it's craving. (laughs) And then you have the world. The influence of the world. Trying to keep people lured back instead of moving forward. That's why the Bible says that when you have come to Christ, you are to reckon yourself dead. You've nailed that old self to his cross. Your interest of the world is no longer, and here's the good news, the world's interest in you is no longer. So if the world is captivating you, it's because you're looking at it. (laughs) There is victory, you all. And then final, Satan. He's your enemy. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. 
the flesh, the world, and the devil are against you every day of your life. And if you get up every day not dressing for battle, not meditating on the word of God, not abiding in Christ, not remaining connected to fellowship, you've already set yourself up to fail. You've already set yourself up not to move forward. You've set yourself up to stay stuck or you've turned around and you've headed back. And I've always said to you all, if you're one who's going to turn around and go back, do you know what you have to turn around and walk back by? The cross. Mm. And are you truly going to be bold enough to look up and say it was it meant nothing and keep going back to your old way of life? No, 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 no. You better remind yourself. And then as Christians, you better remind other Christians when you see them pivot and begin to go back or they pivot and they stay stuck. You better come alongside them and remind them of who Christ is, who they are, and get them moving forward. You just don't just throw your hands up. No, you pray, you intercede, you encourage, you edify. If they choose to continue to go back, then that's their choice. If they don't want to hear, they don't want to listen, then shake the dust off your feet and you keep moving forward. Because if you stay attached to them, guess where you're heading back with them? Back. (laughs) Oh, we got to be careful, you all. This Christian life can be lived. It's joyful. Doesn't mean you're not going to face sorrow. Doesn't mean you're not going to have issues. Oh, you're going to have issues. You're going to face sorrow because you're going to be hated. The world is going to hate you. And no matter how good you are, they're going to look at you as the enemy. Because that's spiritual war. It's greater than what we can ever imagine. That's why I've always say it's sad that the occult has more understanding of the spiritual realm than the church. Doesn't make any sense to me. We ought to be the ones who understand it. And we recognize it and we go, oh, we got to pray. Oh, we got to begin to fast. We got to begin to praise our God. We got to begin to advance forward. And it takes us collectively to advance forward. There's going to be resistance. But God is already victorious. And that's why when we pray, we don't pray from a place of defeat. We pray from a place of victory. Oh, but I am defeated. My situation looks bad. My funds are low. My health is failing. What are you looking at? Because all you're telling me is what you see. But tell me who you know. Tell me the truth about your circumstances. That my health may be failing, but my God is greater. And as long as there's breath in my body, I will move forward. My funds may be low. I may not know where the rent's coming from. But the one thing I know, God is for me and he's not against me. I will get up and move forward. I will learn to be a good steward of my time and of my resources and of my health. Like God, teach me. Reveal yourself yet again to me. 
I will look upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Sometimes you just got to stand up and you got to push back against yourself, against the world, and against the enemy. And you got to remember, you're a blessed people. And what God has blessed, no man, no devil can curse. The enemy has no right to you as a child of God. He has no right. I told you years ago I was singing that song in church. Went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Whoa, let's get into it. Took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. I went to the enemy's camp and the Holy Spirit said, sit down. In the middle of worship, I said, what? The church is just singing. And I, I did, I sat down. The Lord said, listen to what you're saying. Stop giving him credit. The truth is, he didn't steal anything from you. You gave it to him. I said, Lord, the enemy has no right over a blood-bought saint to steal anything from us. He only takes what we give him. You want to give him your mouth? He'll use your mouth. You want to give him your thoughts? Oh, he'll take your thoughts. You want to do things that aren't right? Then do it and open up a door. But those doors that are opening up are going to establish strongholds. And you're going to start believing lies. And you're going to start pivoting. And you're going to start moving backwards. But God says, that's not the place of you. So if you're going to sing something, Rob, sing what truth is. You're going to go back and you're going to take what you gave away. Stop selling your birthright just for temporal pleasures. Stop giving away things because this in the moment looks right. And you know good and well it's not because it doesn't honor me. Stop giving him what I gave you. I said, oh, Lord. Listen, y'all, there's a way to live. Jesus, you all, he's come. Go to Luke. Chapter 1, verse 26 through 56. That's the good news. The Savior of the world came. We've got to stop living as if he's defeated. We've got to stop living as, he, as, as if he's a weak-willed man. That, that he was nothing, but just, oh, he was a good teacher. No, 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 he's God, you all. Do you see him as God? Are you living for him? Have you given your life? Have you surrendered your all and said, God, I need you? Have you been filled with his Holy Spirit, empowered to move? He's God. Are we recognizing the times in which we are living? It's getting darker, but you should be fanning the flame so that you're burning brighter. There's work to be done. There's work to be done. That's why we should have a zeal. We should have a hope each day we get up. Not lured away by the temporal things of this earth to hold us down to this earth. No, we're getting up every day and we're saying, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, wherever my feet shall tread this day, Lord, I pray that peace would go with me. And Father, if I come up against resistance, help me to look up and not look out. Help me to serve. Help me to love. Help me to live and lead as you lived and lead. 
Holy Spirit, you've been given to me as my comforter, as my, as my, as my um, teacher. So teach me, comfort me, lead me. Like if you got to be talking, you got to be living. This is a life to be lived, not a seat to be filled. Did you all hear that? It's a life to be lived, not a seat to be filled. People are just showing up. This is the way we go to church, go to church, go to church. And they're just there. You're the church. The building's not the church. You're the church. (laughs) Jesus has been born. He has lived. He has served. He has died. And he has risen indeed. Go to Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 56. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, and he, oh my goodness, and and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will would never end, and the church should say, Amen. Prophecy is being fulfilled. God is bringing about His purpose through His Son. That ultimately He will have a people that He will call His own, and in return they will call Him their God. (laughs) Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Then the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the baby to be born, listen to this, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. This child will not come from the seed of man. Because if a man was to intermarry and plant a seed, that child would be filled with sin. And the Messiah, Jesus, yet though he was tempted, he never sinned because he's holy. That's why he had to come from a a virgin wound, not a wound that has been opened, (laughs) but a virgin. It's important. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. 
For the word, oh my goodness, of God will never fail. You want another scripture to highlight, to pray through this week? There you go. The word of God will never fail. So when the enemy wants to come against your mind, when the world wants to entice you, when your flesh wants to drag you back, you stand up and you declare the truth that you know to be, for the word of God will never fail. What he has established, he will bring about you all. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hillside of Judea to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth, don't miss this, was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child (coughs) is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he has said. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. This is Mary's song. This is how she responded to the insight and the wisdom and the revelation that the Holy Spirit gave Elizabeth. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. And he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princesses from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. And Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Wow, you all. These just can't be words. These just can't be, oh, that's a nice little story. No, no, no. This is the living word of God giving you insight and understanding and revelation of who God is, how he is faithful, and how he brings about what he has purposed. The Savior for mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He didn't come into the world to judge the world but to save the world because the world already stands condemned. This world already has a judgment against it and everyone in it has already condemned to an eternal death, to hell, to a place that was prepared for those who remain in rebellious towards God. And that's why I always tell you when people say, how can a loving God send people to hell? And that's why I always say, then how can he not? (laughs) Because if he doesn't, then he's not God. And the truth of the matter is, God doesn't send people to hell. He just honors their request. 
That's the truth. God is not sitting upstairs, if you would, up in heaven, (laughs) designing and scheming to hurt people. No, he's a God of love. He's a just God. There's no error found in him. His kingdom, it's holy. Sin cannot enter in. It never will. He is just and he is right. And if you don't want to receive this free gift that he has given, then that's your choice. And he loves you enough to turn you over to what you want. I mean, that's reality, you all. You're going to harvest what you plant. Eternity is at stake. And that's why I tell you all the time, you've got to stop caring about people's temporalness. Oh, I don't want to offend them. I don't want to say anything. Oh, that's just the way they are. That's how they're always going to be. Who says that? Not if you're a Christian. Because our God is great. He's a deliverer. He's a way maker. He breaks the chains of darkness. He frees the captives. And they can sing songs of freedom. It may look strange to everyone else. But you can't take a free person's freedom. We have to understand that he's God. He's good. Elizabeth and Mary knew God was fulfilling his promise of a child in her womb. He's not just a good story. He's not just was a man who lived on this earth. Oh, he was a good teacher. No, he's God, you all. He is seated on his throne. I was counseling someone the other day and I was encouraging them from what I've learned in my life that when chaos hits and confusion and and just life hits you hard, you can trust in the fact that God is seated. He's not standing up, wringing out his hands, pacing back and forth in his kingdom, wondering how he's going to fix all of it. No, he's seated. And sometimes we don't want him to be seated. No, we want you, God, we need you to do this, we need you to do that. He's already done it. That's what I'm telling you all. And what we've learned already is that we pray and we live from a place of victory. From what, what has been accomplished. Not by from what we see. Faith is believing in the things that you cannot see. And you keep moving forward. You walk by faith and not by sight. You rise up every day and you renew your mind daily on that which is good. How many hours are we feasting off social media, playing games, watching TV, doing this or doing that? You know, I've told you before, you know, when I first became a Christian, I would open up the Bible and I'd be like, oh, God, just read a couple verses and I'm exhausted. I didn't know. I didn't know any of this. I couldn't make sense of it. But I knew every time I would try to pray or, or, or fast or, or read the word, I would get 
tired. Or if I was sitting in church, I was distracted. And before you know it, church was over. I don't even know what was said. Mm. Remember that warfare I talked about earlier? And I remember years ago when the Lord spoke to my heart and says, it is finished. It is finished. Now live it out. What did that that mean for me? I mean, every time I open up my Bible, my flesh wanted me to come tired. I'll get to it tomorrow. I would say, oh no, shake it off. No flesh. I'm going to pull you up out of this bed. I'm going to pull you up out of this chair. And I told you I did a lot of time walking and reading out loud. Made no sense to me. But every time I open up the word, every time I begin to read it out loud, I said, your word says, Father, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I may not fully understand what I'm hearing, but God, I know my faith is being built up upon your truth because it's your truth that's coming forth from my mouth. And I would spend hours just walking. Hours just walking and reading. I didn't give in to my flesh. I didn't just say, oh, whatever. No, no, no. I knew who my God was. I knew who he was calling me to be. And I knew that if I stayed stuck, then that's where I would remain stuck. (laughs) But he who the sun sets free is still enslaved. No, that's not what scripture says. It says he who the sun has set free is free indeed. And I purposed years ago not to remain stuck. I wanted to know what freedom was. Because if you said it, God, I'm going to believe it. Because my mind's a mess. My heart's a mess. I got a, a lot of wounds and hurts and pains. But if you're telling me that that's not who I am anymore, then how am I to live? And that's my, been my prayer for 20 some odd years every day. How am I to live? You show me, God. You lead me, Holy Spirit. Because if Rob is in control, I know where Rob would go. (laughs) And that's why Jesus says the call of a disciple is to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow him. It's a message of forwardness. Not just, okay, I receive you, Lord Jesus, and and then go back and do whatever you want. That's why Jesus himself says, before you... Choose to follow me, you better consider the cost because it's going to cost you everything. Everything. That's why we don't peddle the word of God, like the scripture says. We don't peddle it out for a profit to make money off of it. No, we understand what we have been given. We treasure it. And we share the good news with others in hopes that they will turn to God. And receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. I had a young man stop at my office the other day. And I say this not to boast of me, you all. Because it's nothing of me. In and of myself, I would be back there. (laughs) But it's all of God. And he said, you know, Rob, I just want you to know. Like, I'm so encouraged. I know you're going through a lot. But you show up when you're here and you just serve with excellence. And my wife and I are going through things. And I told her the other night we were praying about you. And I said, he just keeps getting up. 
I never see him come into the office discouraged. I never see him just pull back and not just give of himself. You know, and I think to myself, no, that's truly encouraging, brother. Thank you so much. I remember just sitting there just thanking God. See, your life impacts others. I had an unsaved man yesterday say to me, my fiancé thinks I should hang out more with you because you make me a better man. You make you engage with me on a spiritual level to try to understand the teachings of Christ. And when I go home, I just talk about everything that you shared with me. Why do I bring these up? Because how are people looking at you? How are you impacting their life for his kingdom? Because that's all it is about now. If you've come to Christ, you've accepted Christ, you are dead to yourself. You're learning to live afresh and anew. How is your life impacting others for his kingdom? Because that is what you should be sowing. That is what you should be sowing. The good news. The hope that is found in Christ. And it doesn't matter what you're going through. You get up every day and you serve. You be the best student. You be the best worker. You go forth and you think of others before you think of yourself. Because that's the Christian life. Contrary to what we hear preached. Contrary to what we see people live. The devil is running amok. But the church is victorious. Let him run amok. Let him do whatever he thinks he's going to do. He's already defeated. As the church of Christ. We are his bride. And we are to take honor into that. And we're to live differently. It can be lived, not in our own strength, but in a life that is surrendered to him. Go to Psalm chapter 57. Or Psalm 57. Oh, good news, y'all. Get ready. Look up. Now, so that's how you understand Psalm 57. <clears throat> this is a song from King David. In a season of his life, when he fled from King Saul and went into a cave. To be, and so understand this. David's life is turned upside down. He is in a cave. He is hiding. Have mercy on me, O God. Have mercy. I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. I cry out to God most high, to God who will fulfill his promise for me. Oh, did we hear that again? God is faithful to fulfill what he has promised, what he has established. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth his unfailing love and faithfulness. I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, and whose tongues cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. 
My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. Just stop there for a second. He's crying out to God. He knows his God. He knows his God is faithful. But he's not living a weird reality like he's not really facing life. He's weary. He's distressed. It's okay. So many times we, we feel like we have to, we have to you know, put on a mask. We have to pretend like everything's okay. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. God did. And yet then we, then we withdraw and then we're, we're so negative. We, 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 pull us, we pull back and when we're by ourselves or even with people who just are comfortable with us just being whatever. We just unleash. But that's, very, that's a destructive pattern. That's a destructive pattern. Truth is, I can believe in my God. I can live for my God. And you know what? Life is hard. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. I've grown weary. I'm not going to beat myself up. I'm not going to remain there. But I'm not going to beat myself up because I'm going to encourage myself in who God is. It's different if I stay there and allow weariness to set in. The, the, the Bible tells us, do not grow weary, for in the due time, in the right time, you will reap the reward. So it doesn't mean you're never going to grow weary. These people were depressed, they were anxious, they felt panic. They were being overwhelmed by enemies. Life was hard, but God is good. I'll just say that every day. Life is hard, but God is good. Get yourself up today, Rob. Suck it up and move forward. As long as there's breath in your body. Oh, the enemy likes to taunt you. Enemy likes to taunt you. He likes to lie. He likes to throw those fiery arrows at you. But that's when you pick up the shield of faith and you extinguish them and you take a step forward. <laughs> Like when the enemy comes into my ear and says, I'm going to kill you. And I may want to shake and be like, I said, oh, as long as there's breath in my body, I will continue to live and not die. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come at me as you may and try all you want. But God is for me. He is not against me. And I will not fear what can be done to this mortal body because my fear is of God and God alone. And you can get up and you can walk. He's been telling me that for years. The first time it happened was when I was in Athens, Georgia at the red light. I'll never forget that night. The coldness that filled that car. The darkness that set in. That set in. I'm going to kill you. And the fear that set in, that spun me out of control for a good amount of time because I chose to believe that. But God, you all, is faithful. God didn't let go of me. God didn't mark me and check me off and say, oh, it didn't work for him. Let's move on to another one. No, God is patient. God is kind. God is loving. God endures with us. He knows what's ahead of us. 
It was in a still small moment that the Lord spoke to my heart. Get up. Get up. David, he's crying out to God, you all. My enemies have set a trap for me. I am weary from distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. Oh, begin to turn it around. My heart is confident in you, O oh God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Wake up, my heart. Wake up, O oh lyre and harp. I will wake the dawn with my song. Do you know what the meaning of each new day is? Hope. Don't neglect looking up at the sunrise, you all. It's a new day. The light has broken forth from darkness. And David said, I will wake the dawn with my song. You ever been in darkness, in a place of depression and despair? Nothing will ever seem like anything will change. Oh, you wake up that darkness. Bring forth the dawn. Bring forth the hope. Bring forth the light with your song of praise to your God. There's something about worshiping God. There's something about worshiping God. God will never neglect a people who worship him. I will thank you, Lord, among all the people. I will sing your praises among the nations. For your unfailing love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches out to the, reaches to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the highest of heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. This is our God, you all. No matter what we're facing. No matter what's coming against us, God is for us. He's not against us. We're closing in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 9 through 11. Three nuggets of wisdom. You know, I always find it funny. You know, it's not really funny, but I always find it interesting that, you know, we're quick to look at people's actions. You know, the perverts, the drunks, this and that. We're quick to see and we're quick to point fingers at everyone. But you know, the Bible has a lot to say about our speech. Your bad mouth, your wrong tongue is just as bad as the pervert. <laughs> so stop pointing and, and looking and, 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 and calling hell down upon them <laughs> when you're so loose with your tongue. There's a way in which you're to speak and you're to live. And the Bible's very clear that what comes out of your mouth, it's either life or death. You're in either in agreement with God or with Satan. So we need to be very careful of our words. Years ago, I had to learn. So Holy Spirit, I can't tame my tongue, but you can. So God help me. And there were times where I would go speak and I would feel the Lord say, nope, hold it in. Don't let it out. Oh, but I just got to say it. I just got to say, no, you don't. Because is it going to build up 
Is it going to encourage? Or is it just going to tear down? Or are you just going to come into an agreement with something that isn't right? Like you're not that person anymore, Rob. And if I do, even to this day, let something out that I shouldn't let out, ah, I'm quick, the Holy Spirit goes, ah. Did you just hear yourself? I'm like, oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> We've got to be mindful. You're either speaking life or death. And this Proverbs, these three nuggets of wisdom have a lot to say about words. Verse 9, with their words, the godless destroy their friends. You know, when I've counseled people who have gone through a lot of abuse, it's the verbal abuse. All abuse does damage. But the physical abuse, the sexual abuse and all that, that, that can be healed and that can, you can walk through such an incredible healing and you can walk through incredible emotional abuse. But it seems the hardest to give over is the emotional abuse. It's the words that have been spoken that people relive. And it's the hardest to get over. That should really open up our eyes, you all. To really open up our eyes. You are not what others have spoken over you. You are not what the enemy has cursed your life with. If you've given your life to Christ, you are a child of God. If you haven't, and I don't know why you haven't, you should come to Christ today and let today be the day of salvation so that your past doesn't have to continue to define you. But when others want to speak over your life, when others want to say things that just tear down. No. Shut them out. <laughs> Allow the word of God to renew your heart and refresh your mind. Remember who he is and who you are. What has been spoken was back there. It attaches to the old man, to the old woman. It doesn't attach to the new one. Listen to what it says here. With their words, the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge will rescue the righteous. Oh, what a beautiful picture. The whole city celebrates when the godly succeed. They shout for joy when the wicked die. Upright citizens are good for a city and make it prosper. Listen to this last part as we close today. But the talk of the wicked tears it apart. Cities come to ruin because of the wicked and the way they speak. Homes, lives are destroyed because tongues are not tamed. And if you have a problem with your tongue, then just repent. Give it to the Lord. I've got a good resource. It's called Taming Your Tongue. <laughs> All right, Dorian? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to get real with yourself. That's why you don't have to hide. That's what I tell you all. You, we need to be transparent before each other. We need to encourage and edify each other. 
There's nothing to hide. We all don't have it all together. There's issues in our life, and we're always constantly growing. We're not perfected until we're with Him. But we ought not to play a game as if somehow we are perfected, and that we're not having issues. No, if you have an issue with your tongue, then just be wise enough to say, I need counsel. Holy Spirit, help me. Brothers and sisters, encourage me. Because I know you had the same problem as I have. So let's together move forward. Encourage me, help me, hold me accountable. Because I know if I keep going the route that I'm going, <laughs> that I'm eventually going to go back. Or stay stuck. And I will not advance <clears throat> by moving forward. So be mindful of your words, you all. Be mindful of your thoughts. Do all that you do throughout this upcoming week by sowing to that which is good and trusting in God to bring about the harvest in your life. Amen? Let's close with this last song and then I'll close this in prayer. <clears throat>